This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Some good beds here now. You dig? I like this in the morning. This is a good one. Which is because you do like a banger. I oh, bangers and bops. I'm a big fan. Yeah, the old bangers and bops. Mm-hmm. You don't have? Do you have? What do you have in the afternoon? Yeah, they're kind of rocky. Is it just Dave Matthews start to finish? <laughs> yes, just generic. Yeah, generic rock bed dot mp3. Yeah, I dig. I can get it. I like this one. This one's got like a Mac Miller vibe to it. I like it. Fan feedback line is open, 960-960. Oh, good. Uh, I just woke up and tuned in. Happy to hear the sultry tones of Matt Rose filling in. Welcome back for the day, Matt. Happy to be here. It's always good to be back. Sultry. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know if he he or she. thanks. I I think they don't know what uh, sultry means. Yeah, but that's like smooth and sexy, and I'm kind of like yeah, yeah. rugged, like I got a mouthful of gravel. <laughs> that's you. Uh, Flames last night, 4-2 win. With that, the division title, they uh, look back to that 18-19 season. They hit the 50-win plateau, 107 points. Right now, they're at 48 with 106 points. It is conceivable yep. that they will top uh, those numbers, what with four games remaining. The now all I, I said before the break, I, you know, teasing and people. If you if you waited for what we, what were we possibly going to talk about? You're going to punch your radio or however you're listening. Throw your if, phone right out the window if you're tired about the goaltending talk. When you saw Markstrom mm-hmm. was going to start yesterday, yeah. What was your initial reaction? All right, that makes sense. I wondered if. Because Pinder asked me yesterday, and I don't, you don't get up. You should, you do, you do not have to listen. You should not listen. Pinder. Sometimes I do. I listen Pinder to the podcast. Is very frothy over this whole thing. It's, yes, it's been a, it's been a constant, really, really, on the on the side of why hasn't Vladar played more? Mm-hmm. Um, because he's played well when he's played. There's been opportunity, certainly opportunity for him to play. You want healthy bodies. This whole thing. And if my numbers are correct, it's what fourteen of the last sixteen starts. Yep, for uh, for Markstrom, including last night. So two starts from March nineteenth until now. That's it's a long stretch, and there was a lot of hockey being played in there. Uh, Vladar now appearances. He came comes in in relief, but two starts. I guess I I don't know why I thought maybe he was going to start last night, but then you think about well, you you're gonna put him back to back? Probably not. You put Markstrom in. We we do spend a lot of time thinking about this, and I feel like Daryl doesn't. I he's the coach; he calls the shots, and I don't I don't honestly know how the conversation happens or what the how many th- people are involved in the thought process. Is it just Daryl writing names on a board in the morning, and that's how you find out? Are you talking with? In your goaltending crew, because you have you have Sigalette and you got uh, Barb, right? Yeah. You have a number of people that you would maybe bring in. I don't know. I don't know how it works. This was Daryl last night because again, here's a Markstrom start. You 
you didn't have the division. Do you need to clinch before you, right? Uh, you know, yep. Until no, we've until yeah. we've won the division, we haven't won the division. Even though all the math would suggest you're going to win the until division. Until we haven't the playoffs, we're not in the playoffs. Yeah, the whole thing. So Been this, the theme. yeah, this was Daryl asked about the workload in a sense of Jacob Markstrom. Said lots of breaks this year. You guys should dig into it a little bit more. You had a 17 day break. You had a nine day break. You had a, another seven day break. If we play him one or two of these last, he's probably going to get a four- or five-day break and then another four- or five-day break. He's had lots of breaks. So, I mean, a few things there. He, no question about it. There, was, there were stretches of time in this season where there was no hockey to be played. That's it's a break. Does a, does a two-week shutdown in December do anything for you now? When you probably had COVID? Like, I don't know. Everyone reacts differently. When you go on a two-week vacation, do you come back refreshed and recharged? I didn't after my last one. No, I'll tell but you you're that a, for free. You are a, uh, you're an animal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. 62 starts is a, it's a career high for Markstrom. He hasn't played, and it's, I mean, man, we're really kind of nitpicking when, you know you've got good goaltending. When what you've seen out of Markstrom over the last couple of weeks is like, well, he hasn't been at his best. Hasn't been uh, his mm-hmm. usual self. He has been terrific. The other thing that I draw on there is Daryl saying if he plays one or two of the next four. Yes. I don't know if that's just Daryl throwing words out or if that's possibly a tell that, yeah, you have four games remaining, Saturday, Tuesday, and then a back-to-back. You assume he's playing one of those back-to-backs. Do you want it to be in Minnesota? Or, or Winnipeg, does it matter? And you think now maybe he plays one of Vancouver-Nashville. Do you play Markstrom tomorrow? Then he gets a four-day break before you play Minnesota, and then a four-day break. And I guess the bigger question is, do you have as big a problem as some people do, as a lot do, with how much hockey Markstrom has played through March and into April? I don't have a problem with it um, just because I feel like his play has been solid. He's been an important part of this team. I think that there was a stretch in the year where Dan Vladar's play wasn't as sharp as it won to start the year when he rattled off a couple of quick shutouts. The last two starts have certainly been encouraging, especially because the one thing that I kind of felt that I noticed with Vladar was maybe not settling into games right away, like maybe being a little bit choppy and kind of out of sorts to start games. But I thought the last two that he played, he was sharp right from the get-go and he was tested early in those games as well. But Jacob Markstrom is your guy. After the Coyotes game on Saturday, we were talking to Cale McLean uh, in the studio. And that was another one where Jacob Markstrom got the start Mm -hmm. against the Arizona Coyotes. Why isn't Dan Vladar going against this subpar team? And so we asked Kale after the game, and he just said, we want Markstrom to be playing a lot around this time of the year. He's got things to work on. Everybody on the team has things to work on. And you want him to be in that competitive mind space, especially because the division wasn't clinched until last night. Like, now when I look at the next four... If it's not an even split, then I might be a little bit more surprised. But they still have these things to play for that they're trying to, you know, even if it's kind of artificial, 
trying to create these goals they had to play for. And winning the division seemed like another one to me. You're playing a team that you very well could face in the first round. You want to be feeling good about you know beating that team if that's who you end up playing in the playoffs. And Markstrom gives you the best chance to win every night. Like That isn't a discussion. This all kind of stems from the fatigue case. And frankly, if you look around the NHL, there's a lot of good goalies that are starting to dip. Jari got hurt. Anderson got hurt. Shesterkin's numbers dripped later, dipped later on in the season. Kemper's kind of been the X factor there that doesn't really apply. Bobrovsky, I think, has dipped a little bit. You've seen a lot more Spencer Knight in Florida. Soros. And I guess there is no answer. I was going to say the question I have. There's no answer for it. There's, there's wear and tear and fatigue that builds up over the course of a season. Because like I was saying, that break that you have in December, is there any lasting effect from that now? Probably not. Yeah. So the flip side to that, if he plays tomorrow against Vancouver and then one of two against Minnesota or Winnipeg. Sure. And then we think they will start on the third. So we're talking about a 7-8, 11-day stretch where he would play two games in 11 days. Is that enough time for you to feel as well-rested as you could be at this point in time, even having started 14 of the last 16? Or is it so far gone, it's 62 starts, is he so exhausted and so worn down that even if you were to give him the next 11 days off, that the damage has already been done? I just, I, I get it. And the, the part of the... Probably the, the more the more interesting thing is I think you can count on Vladar. I know in the past, Daryl's had a hard time with backups when you put him in and then you lose, where you felt like you were just giving away a game yep. when you had to go to your backup. It hasn't felt like that with Vladar this season. He's had one or two maybe kind of rocky outings. When the team wasn't playing their best hockey either. Yeah. So you've had... He, I think he's proven to be pretty capable and... I was thinking last night, what was the closest once the Flames took over the division lead? Was it back to about three points three weeks ago? Because I know we were keeping an eye on the Oilers and Smith was struggling. That that whole, I guess the point is, it's ne they've never really been in danger mm -hmm. of falling out of top spot. And when you're the coach, you can't look at it that way. You put the pedal down and all of that. But I think there, there's certainly been opportunities to play Vladar. And he's been good enough to, he's earned starts to, to that degree. Or at least I feel like you, you wouldn't be shaken putting him in. Even though you wouldn't be shaken anyway, because you've got this, this division lead. So if it's one of the next two. Can we can we hang up all of the Markstrom played too much talk? Or if he comes out in game one and or game two and is doesn't look great, it's be, just naturally because he played had 63, 64 starts. Right? I and again, there's no answer. Yeah. But I just feel like it's it, there, there's a convenience level there that sets itself up for for the debate oh. or the people who who see it that way. And I don't. Do you play Johnny Gaudreau in all four games? Matthew Kachuk. Does he need to play all four games? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I ask the questions, and I don't 
know that there is an answer. And people are texting in, what about the, the shutout record and all of this? I think Daryl's fairly on record as not wanting to talk or not caring about personal achievements. And you could start him in all of the remaining games to, to think that you, to get a shutout. If he wanted Markstrom to get the shutout, he did, right? He put him in against Arizona. Yeah. Right? And minus, what, 13 minutes? He... So, I don't know. I just, honestly, I because I sit in here and I just, I shudder to think if something happens. It will, without fail, if Markstrom plays poorly, it won't because the other team did something to, to cross him up or that maybe he tweaked something in the first period of game one that affected him through the whole series. It will be because of the workload and there will be no, there'll be just no debate. Yeah. And I understand that the guy who sits in this chair goes that way. That, that's that been his take lately, too. Like, the number that they had thrown out to start the season was, or not to start the season, but the number that we've kind of heard recently from Daryl Sutter was 3,500 minutes. Not necessarily the starts, but 3,500 minutes. If he starts two more games out of the remaining four, that would put him, put him right around 3,750. That's a 7% difference between 3,500 and 3,750. It's relatively minute. It's kind of the target that they were looking for. You want to win games. The goaltending is the most important position on the ice, unequivocally. And putting Jacob Markstrom in over Dan Vladar gives you the best chance to win every single night. Undisputed. Dan Vladar is a good goalie, but the best chance to win is when Jacob Markstrom is between the pipes. And there were games that needed to be won. These next four is going to be interesting, but I understand totally what you mean. Like, if things don't go the way and there is, you know, any sort of kind of controversy around Markstrom's play, that's what it's going to be. He played too much this year. You played him way too much. Shouldn't have been over 60 starts, that type of thing. And I just don't know if it's... Oh, I'm, I'm with you. Because to me, fair. I, I just feel like if he gets... To, if there's two starts out of the last four then you've rested your goalie for the playoffs. Yeah. To me, you've done that. Especially if he plays the Minnesota game instead of the Winnipeg game, because the Flames are most likely going to start their playoffs on the 3rd of May. That would be another four-day break. The 29th, the 30th, the 1st, and the 2nd. Um, then one final note uh, Daryl wanted to, to throw in, just so people got it. We can address that in a different fashion, but you know, when you're used to not making the playoffs or or losing the first round, then you play two goalies. Yeah, if you're not, you don't care who's starting in net if you're missing the playoffs. Then you really are talking about, well, play play other guys, play three goalies, play whoever you want. We shall see. Next action is Saturday. At home, final home game against the Vancouver Canucks, and home games have been Markstrom games. So a good chance that you would see Markstrom at home against his former team uh we have got anthony stewart coming up last night the uh the minnesota wild punched their ticket with a date for with st louis that looks like it's going to be an unbelievable series uh the toronto maple leafs it's looking like they may might be getting the tampa bay lightning and they can't be liking how last night went if that's a appetizer for what they're about to 
settle in for. That's a real kick in the shins as you get ready for the playoff. Hey, at least it's not Boston. And we can ask him. Markstrom, is, can you get enough rest? He was an NHLer. Can, can you rest up enough? Is there enough time to recoup all of your fatigue in a uh, 10, 11, 12-day period? While traveling with the team, because you got to think that even if he's not playing, he's obviously going to be the backup, and he's going to do the travel well, and course, all that. yeah, yeah. You're not going to call up one of the other guys to be a backup so Markstrom can stay in Calgary and away from the team. I'd be very happy to go if they want me to go open the gate. I love Nashville. I hear they have. I thought like, you were going to say I love opening gates. Well, I, I'm just I'm good at it. Oh, like with kid hockey, that I've never I've never jammed anyone's finger in there. I've never like fought with it for, on a line. Cha- I'm right there. Yeah, pound knuckle it out. bonk there. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Minnesota, I hear they have like uh, pickerel, walleye for uh, for a media meal ahead of time, oh. and you're getting pierogies in Winnipeg. Mm. I could be convinced to go if they need. If Markstrom wants to stay here and I don't know get. Rub downs and massages and hyperbolic chambers and whatever they want to do. Call Brad. Wrap see if we can in, get you on the plane. Get some bubble wrap. Wrap him in that. We'll come back. Stewie, Sportsnet 960, the fan. This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hour two rolls on. 738. Flames last night 4-2 in over the Dallas Stars. Andrew Magipani, goal and an assist, a two-helper night for Rasmus Anderson. Ends up being a goal for Noah Hannafin. Thought maybe it was a redirect in front, but it's Hannafin with his ninth. He has 11 points in his last eight games. He's feeling it right now. You want to talk about being right for the playoffs and getting ready? Noah Hannafin's been just fine, thank you very much. First power play bump certainly helps. It does. The uh, So the Flames 8-1-1 and in their last 10 They will host Vancouver on Saturday and then head out for three to wrap things up next week. Please be joined by our next guest, NHL on Sportsnet, former NHLer and just all around, uh, you know, good follow on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And an all around good guy. No one's got a bad word to say about Anthony Stewart. I don't care where you go. Try as you might. You won't uh, you won't have it. Well done on that, Stewie. Uh, Good job. Well, I'm doing well, but if you type in hashtag Canucks, uh, Canucks fans are some of the biggest fans of myself, But because uh, I predicted them not to make the playoffs, but I guess I'm correct, so there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, how dare you, uh, how dare you do something so outlandish and off base? Yeah. I know. I know. It, it does look like it's going to be too little too late for, for Vancouver, and you, you, you wonder if you make that coaching change a week, 10, 10 days, because they really did respond to Boudreaux. They did, and, you know, I remember being in the media, and it was probably about a week, 10 days, where, you know, Travis Green and Cole were sort of just sort of waiting in limbo, almost waiting for it to happen, and we were talking about they need to make a change, they need to make a change. So it just, um, you know, what could have been with this season? But I think with, you know, in the National Hockey League, you either have to sell wins or sell hope, but that's what Bruce Brodro uh, did this year, came in and sold hope for next year. So, yes, they have to shed some salary. they got to make some moves here and there, add a couple players. Uh, but uh, I think next year will be a stronger season for the Vancouver Canucks. What's your What's your take on Winnipeg? It's going to be a non-playoff year, and I know uh, I, I'm not sure where you picked them. Vancouver out. I don't know if you had Winnipeg in. I think a lot of people did. Maybe not defending for the the division title, but maybe being one of the strongest teams in Canada. Did not turn out that way. Paul Maurice leaves. They rode Connor Hellebuck as much as they could. He started just about every game. But they're out. What happened there in Winnipeg? 
Well, I said this last year, and it just seemed like they were riding Hellebuck until he bucked. And, you know, I think he almost just fell apart this year, 64 starts. And I think it's just too tough right now at his age to be playing that many games. You've got to have a guy that could come in and do the job and be able to play 25, 30 games. And, you know, you're looking at Hellebuck in the last three years. And, again, I'm not a big analytics guy, but I'm probably he's up there in the amount of shots and saves and just workload. And, you know, that's tough in today's uh, National Hockey League. So I think it starts with goaltending where you need almost a two-headed monster, guys that have 1A, 1B uh, type of scenario. But, um, you know, I think just, you know, their, their, their top line was struggling for a little bit. Um, you know, Kyle Connors having a great year. He's got 44 goals, but it just didn't seem to mesh. They would take one step forward, two step backs, where they'd win a game or two, then they go into three-game slides. They didn't really have that consistency as a group. Uh, the defense struggled a little bit this year, too. So, again, for me, I'm scratching my head because you're looking at this roster with the Ehlers and the Wheelers and Dubois and Shifley's and Connors, and, you know, you're like, this team should be, you know, contending for a division title, let alone not even making the playoffs. Yeah. And as you might guess, or I can let you know that goaltender uh, workload is a story in Calgary. Uh, last night, again, Jacob Markstrom goes, even though mathematically you had to feel comfortable that the division was going to be theirs, they clinched a playoff spot last week, but it has still been been Markstrom. 14 of 16 starts have, of the last 16 have gone to Markstrom. And... <sighs> trying to trying to figure only Markstrom knows how Markstrom feels is are is it possible to start 62 games and still feel like you're okay and you're relatively fresh and you don't need to sit because I I feel like that's still what it comes down to and you knew Daryl Sutter wasn't going to even flirt with the chance of a late season losing streak of any kind so he was going to put him out there but it's be it's now very quickly become a, a bit of a nervous topic for Flames fans here it is, but you, you look at the workload, but then, you know, you go look at the shot attempts against, right? I think it was 15, 17, 26, 24, 23 against Dallas, um, you know, last night. That's not a heavy, that's not a heavy workload, right? So I think it's a complete opposite situation too at Winnipeg where, you know, you're facing 30, 35 shots and, you know, Calgary, they defend really, really well. A lot of those shots that they let, uh, let against are from the outside. So they do a good job protecting the middle just with their system, um, it's a, a system now that, it, you know, it's a competition. They're, they're, they're hounding the puck. They're supporting the puck. They're blocking shots, going above and beyond. So, you know, there's going to be some nights where he does get a heavy workload. But for this year, especially the second half, a lot of those games, it wasn't a lot of uh, work for uh, Markstrom to do. So I think that's key now. You know, him getting his repetition in, you want him fresh. You obviously want him fresh, but you want him to have that rhythm going into the playoffs. And, you know, you don't get nine shutouts making 50 saves every single night. And so, again, he's been amazing this year, but I think his workload hasn't been uh, that much, uh, that heavy compared to other goaltenders in the National Hockey League. It, it's such a fine balance, right, for fans. Uh, we, you don't want to be fighting to get in. You don't want to have to be two or three points back going into the final week, but don't be eight or 10 up and then have to worry about who you're sitting and your goaltender, right? You know what I mean? Like you, you can't win sometimes if you're a coach and if you're a team with, uh, with fans uh, closer to you last night, the Maple Leafs go into Tampa Bay and they get, uh, they get snot bubbled. Tampa Bay put on a show last night. Uh, is that Tampa setting the tone for a potential first round series? Is that Toronto just, they have nothing to play for, really. They've got second in that division pretty much locked up and done. What did we see last night? Well, you can't discount 
um, you know, the performance by the Lightning last night because they wanted to send a message. A lot of people throughout the league are saying, you know, they're tired, you know, they're, they're, they're out of gas this year, and, you know, this is the year that they finally lose in the first round. So I think they really took it to heart to say, hey, you know what, we want to send a message to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, I think for Toronto, they've been guilty of sometimes turning the game into a track meet where they don't really pay attention to the details. And, you know, say what you want, that game was 0-0 um, after – you know, the first period. And I think, you know, after that second, they sort of just sort of quit, you know, down for nothing. Um, but the one thing I did like about the Maple Leafs, um, you know, normally when you're getting lost, you're losing 8-1, they just sort of, you know, pack it in. No, they, they showed that, hey, there's a fight to be had here. You know, we saw all the penalties. I think it was 118 penalty minutes uh, throughout the game. So the Maple Leafs had that fight to say, hey, you know what? You may have beat us on the scoreboard here, but we're not going to let you now take advantage of us. So I think they really sent the message back physically, but Say what you want, the, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, until they really get knocked out, you have to consider them one of the favorites uh, in their Eastern Conference. They just have too much depth, and you know, they have Vasilevsky, and that's another goaltender where you know maybe the workload may be a little bit too much, but he's one of the best goalies in the league, and they have Stamkos and Kucherov, and you know, Kalorin's got 24 goals, five goals this year too. Ross Colton's got 20 goals. So um, this team is is not uh, is anything but uh, finished. So if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, you cannot go into that first round if that's your matchup, thinking it's going to be an easy series. And that's the thing, right? If if you lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning in a playoff series, there is no shame in that. But if the Leafs were to fall against Tampa in round number one, it wouldn't it wouldn't be framed that way, would it? It would be another first round failure for Toronto, even though it's against the two-time cup champs. Yeah, and that's, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, you lost to them in the first round and, you, you know, you shouldn't even be playing. Well, you want to beat the best teams and, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been, you know, sort of tasked with taking the next step the last three years where with this group, they have to get it done. So, you know, anywhere uh, about a first round, and I think if they don't go to the conference finals this year, that's considered, um, you know, uh, you know, not great because of the group that they have. They've been the third best team in the National Hockey League the whole entire season. Uh, this team has to take the next step, or I'm going to anticipate a lot of changes in Vietnam. How about your former team, the Florida Panthers? 56 wins, 12 straight victories. This is an easy game. It's an easy game in Sunrise right now. <laughs> yes, and, you know, I used to call it the elbow room effect where, you know, a lot of the teams sort of underachieved just based on the lifestyle playing in South Florida. But, you know, this group is the real deal. And, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau's in the heart conversation. You know who else should be in there is Barkov. And, again, I don't think a lot of the casual fans watch this camp, uh, sorry, Florida team, but this team is a juggernaut on offense. You know, how many times have they been down, uh, you know, three or four goals and they come back in a 10-minute span? So this team is, is a lot, a lot of firepower. And I think their hopes right now are going to sort of depend on Bobrovsky there. Is he going to be, you know, um, you know, solid or spectacular? I don't think they really need spectacular from him, but they need him to make that timely save where I think that's been the backbreaker for them the last little bit where, you know, they're in a game and he lets in a couple of those, uh, those muffins there. So if they get some good goaltending, half decent, this team has to be the favorite team uh, coming out of the Eastern Conference just based on that firepower with Barkov and Reinhardt and Huberdor and, you know, guys, Giroux's playing some good hockey there as well. So it's a good team to watch. It's a lot of fun. And if the casual fan pays a lot more attention, you, you, you have an appreciation for what the Florida Panthers bring every single night. Did any of your Panther teams uh, hit 56 wins? 
56 goals, excuse me. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was going to say we could do the math. Maybe a total 56. Yeah, it was a, it was a different era, right? It was a different yeah, game. Yeah, the whole time I was there, maybe. Yeah, the five years that I was there. But, you know, that just shows, you know, that Southeast <laughs> division was pretty tough uh, back then. We had the Washingtons and Atlantas and uh, Tampa Bays would put a spanking on us uh, eight times a year. So I'm, I'm happy because, you know, the fan base isn't big, but they're loyal um, they're there tailgating. They they love their fans down there. They love their hockey. I know they got basketball and football and some other sports, but it's actually a really, really nice uh, fan base down there. So I'm good to see that they have some success. Anthony Stewart, NHL on Sportsnet, our guest here on Sportsnet 960. Maddie And Anthony, I just wanted to pick up on that because as someone who played for the Panthers, did, did you see this coming in a season that they would be this good? Like I think a lot of us believe they were a playoff team without a doubt. But to be uh, neck and neck with the Avalanche for the President's Trophy, did you see that coming? Um, I did not. I did not because I knew Barkov and Huberto, they were going to be good players, but I didn't know they were going to evolve into superstars. But just look at the players that they've added the last little bit that they've been hits. You know, Hornquist was playing good. Sam Bennett was struggling uh, in your market there for a while, and he resurrected, you know, resurrected his career and turned it completely around to becoming a, the second-line center uh, that people were sort of questioning that he was going to be. And, and, you know, Marchment that they got in the Toronto Maple Leafs trade. So they've just been hitting on all these little moves that they've been making. And that's the, um, you know, the making of a, of a great team here and some good uh, management moves that they've been making. So um, usually teams don't hit this many times on, on so many players. I think that's part of it. But for me, um, you know, they were sort of the uh, little brother uh, in, in Florida because of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, you know, if you're in that series, Tampa versus Florida, how do you not pick the Florida Panthers just based on, I think they had 30 games this year where they scored five or more goals. Like that is a, a three season segment for a lot of teams. So they have that offensive firepower. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, they get some, uh, you know, some help back on the back end there with some injuries that they have in Ekblad, but this team is a, it's a juggernaut in every sense of the word. Yeah. And honestly, I think that if we got Florida Tampa in maybe a second round series, it feels like it would have to be at this point, that would be something special. But last night we did get our first series confirmed the Blues are going to play the Wild in the first round as the two and three seeds. Who's going to get home ice is still to be determined. But I was talking to a friend about it, the possible playoff matchups, and he said the one that didn't interest him was the Blues and the Wild. And I was taken aback because that's one that I can't wait for. But is that going to be maybe like a, a hidden gem of a series? Or how do you kind of look at how those two teams match up? Well, I can see that being one of the, you know, the better series of the first round and, you know, you, you look at the standings and you see Colorado running away with it, but, you know, you look at regulation wins and the St. Louis Blues are right up there and they're a great, great team, entertaining team. But, you know, how do you not cheer? And, and if you're a fan for the Minnesota Wilds and you're seeing Kaprizov and Fiala, like Fiala, like this guy, you know, what's this guy seeing? He might be a hundred points a lot sooner than later. And, you know, playing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov, it's a really, really good line. Hartman's got 30 goals this year as well, too. They got Spurgeon on the back end, and they got some truculence and Felino and Erickson Eck. And so this Minnesota team is sort of built top to bottom, especially in adding Delory on that fourth line where, you know, it's going to be that almost old school, you know, NHL playoff grudge match where regardless of who wins, someone's coming out of there with, uh, you know, a couple broken bones. So I could see, you know, it being a seven game series and then whoever wins that, you know, getting swept just based on the, the physicality of that series. And, you know, Minnesota, it's tough to discount them well as well too. Glory's been playing amazing hockey since he's been there. So 
Um, that's going to be a great, great series, and I could see it being one of the marquee and key matchups in the Western Conference for that first round. And the last one for me is just uh, maybe a thought on the race that we're seeing for that second wild card spot as Vegas's sights have kind of shifted to that wild card where Dallas currently holds Vegas two points back at Dallas. Do you think that they can make up that gap with a game between the two coming up in a few days? Uh, Dallas. Lot losers of three in the row, row, four of the last five. They seem like they're just running out of the out of juice. Um, you know, the last couple of games, but Vegas, it's just tough because they're they're struggling to get a save right now. They ended up pulling Leonard. Um, you know, halfway. I think it was after the first period against Washington the other night. They got San Jose, so I think it's going to come down to the wire. And you know, a lot of I hope a lot of teams are are hoping Vegas doesn't make it in because that's a team once they get everything firing and everything correct that they can win a round or two. Uh, fairly easily but I think just right now with just the the unconfidence in the goaltending right now and can the backup come in and steal these last four games I think it's just a little bit too late and you know is it too late to discount Bruce there it is in the Vancouver Canucks I think that's just too much ground to make up in four games as well too so I see Dallas and Nashville just sort of scraping in I know people were sort of waiting for LA to take a step back but they seem secured in that sixth spot as well, too. So I think it's going to stay as it is with uh, it going down to the wire, but Vegas missing out by two or three points. Stu, we always appreciate your time, man. Thanks for the visit. Enjoy the final week of the season. Maybe we can catch up in the playoffs. All right. Thanks a lot. Go Flames, go. Be good. Thanks, man. Anthony Stewart, NHL on Sportsnet, at Stu Monroe on, uh, on Twitter. Yes, sir. Good, good guy. Good broadcaster. I like... Uh, I like that he's not, like, it's, I think there's still, you're very guarded in what you say on, on television and that. It's different than radio. You can come on here and, you know, whatever. But I think when you're on Hockey Night in Canada or you're on on the NHL, with the with the NHL brand, the logo, you, you got to, you're not afraid to say stuff. Yep. And there's not many that do. I mean, Bieksa gets a lot of credit and he has been very good. And a lot of it has to do with how comfortable he is and how he can kind of kibitz back and forth with everybody. But it's his honest takes, and I think Stewart is in that class as well. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because, you know, is it with some of the guys who prefer not to, is it that they don't want to hurt someone's feelings, someone that they know? Is it, you know, making sure you're posturing yourself in a good place for a future position with an NHL team if you get out of broadcasting or something along the likes? and. Straight shooter, right from the hip, Anthony Stewart. So it's kind of like you, eh? Straight shooter, no, uh, no riddles, no talking in tongues. You just let it, uh, you let it Here's fly. Here's the deal: dropping truth bombs everywhere. I give the people what they want, boo. Hey, you know what? If you're gonna make an omelet, you gotta crack a few eggs. That's what it comes down to with uh, with Maddie Rose, yeah, and his hot take attitude. Yeah, I got hot takes. That's the one yeah. thing everyone says. Some hot yeah, take you might want to chill out. You might want to. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We're heading towards the top of the hour. The uh, seven o'clock hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor, and the greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. The uh, the hockey world morning today as Guy Lafleur has passed. He was seventy, had been receiving treatment for cancer since twenty nineteen, and it's unfortunate that you will now really get a, a look into what Guy Lafleur was. And I'm 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 of a certain age, and I'll be honest, it's it's 
before my it's not before my time, but I was not I obviously knew who he was, would have seen him, but his heyday of the uh like his his best and you go and look at the numbers and that we, we will celebrate Guy Lafleur. It is unfortunate that it is in passing, but there is a tremendous career to celebrate there. And I'm already just taking cues from what you see online. A lot of people who watched him play were Montreal Canadiens fans who lived in Montreal at the time, referring to him as a rock star. And he had swagger before swagger was a thing. The, 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 the collared shirts unbuttoned, the chest hair hanging out. He, he just had a style and a flair, and he could skate in from the 74-75 season. Started with 53 goals, then 56, then 56, then 60, then 52, then 50. Six consecutive 50-goal years. Five Stanley Cups, and did have that cool rock star vibe to him while he did it and make no mistake as a as a guy who was born in Quebec to play Montreal you get a little you get a little extra breathing room if you're good and it's a lot more criticism when you're when you're bad so they loved Guy Lafleur in Montreal Eric Angles friend of the show Sportsnet in Montreal will join us a uh, sad day in not just in Montreal but in the in the National Hockey in the hockey world as Guy Lafleur passing at the age of 70. Eric Engel's coming up. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.